Welcome to the Guitar Freaks Podcast, where we turn beginning guitar players into guitar freaks. This podcast is sponsored by Fret Deck. And now your host, Justin Comstock. Welcome to the Guitar Freaks Podcast. This is your host, Justin Comstock. I am honored to introduce blues guitarist, Walter Trout. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm okay. It's it's 11 a.m. there, and you're just eating breakfast and probably chilling and relaxing. And it's I, I've had some espresso and a little <laughs> piece of, uh, little piece of bread, and uh, I'm ready to ready to babble incoherently here. Oh, that's what I love. I love it. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you taking the time with me. This has been an absolute honor uh, to have you on. I've I've been a huge fan of yours for. A while now and I had the opportunity to see you live last year with my dad here in Utah Salt Lake City and you were phenomenal it was fantastic watching you and I would just like to personally say thank you for coming to Utah and playing live for us it was amazing <laughs> well you know I, I I'd have been back there this summer except uh, no gigs yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's, it's a drag. It's I'm been, telling you. It's been I'm a not, I'm not used to sitting around on my ass here like this, you know, but I got to say my my dear wife every day she goes, "Get off your ass. We're going out and <laughs> we're in this beautiful northwest section of Denmark." So she takes me to some huge forest and walks me like 5 oh, miles wow. every day and she says, this way, when you do get back to playing, you're going to be strong, you know? Yeah. So that's wow. what I'm doing is uh, she's cooking me healthy food and making me walk every day. And, <laughs> but I, I've never, um, in w over 40 years, I've never gone this long without playing a gig, except, of course, yeah. when I was in the hospital, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That. It's pretty crazy. I was... I was looking forward to going to a bunch of blues concerts this summer. I think Buddy Guy was coming through Utah again, and yeah. I saw I saw him the uh, last year too, and it was fantastic, fantastic. But yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait till you can start touring again, and uh, yeah, who knows when that's going to be? Who knows when it'll be? But when you come back to Utah, I will be at your concert. <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> Even if I'm the only one, I doubt that I'll be the only one. <laughs> no, um, I have been very excited to talk to you uh, about, uh, well, your latest album that's coming out this Friday. Um, but before we get into that, Walter, I, whenever I have a blues guitarist come on, I... I I have a special place in, in my heart for the blues and uh, I, I've been playing blues guitar for a little bit, you know, um, ever since I was 12. And like, like I said, it's, it's uh, the blues is a very special thing for me. And what I like to do with, with my blues guitarists when they come on the podcast, I would like to pay our respect to blues artists that, that came before. Um, and I like to ask my guests 
who play who play the blues, what blues artists had the most influence on you, Walter? Well, okay, I'll go back a little bit through time. I, I'm an old guy, and I grew up in South Jersey. In the, you know, I was born in 1951. So, um, in suburban South Jersey, I know we were the only white people on that block where my father had records by T-Bone Walker and John Lee Hooker and B.B. King. And this was in the late fifties, right? And he was just very, very hip with music. And so was my mom. I, I was lucky I had these, you know, in that house, music seemed to always be playing and you would hear T-Bone Walker. Then my mom had all the Atlantic um, Ray Charles stuff before he had hits, you know. Yeah. Um, but then you'd hear, you might hear um, Hank Williams, and then you might hear Duke Ellington, and then you might hear Tony Bennett, and then you might hear T-Bone Walker. And then, I mean, it was this cross section of music. So I, I heard the blues as a kid, mm -hmm. but I loved sort of all kinds of music. And when when I was a little kid, the stuff that really turned me on, you, I'd be riding in the car with my parents, they'd turn on the radio, and the latest song would come out, and it'd be Little Richard, or yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis, or Chuck Berry, and it was brand new, and <laughs> 50s rock and roll really blew my mind when I was a little guy, and, um, but even though I had heard the blues in my house, it, um, it hadn't, grab me like it ended up doing until um, I was playing guitar, strumming chords, um, 10 years old, um, you know, trying to learn folk music and stuff. And then um, 1965, when I was 14, my brother came home and said, I know you love to listen to guitar players, you got to sit down because I want you to hear this guy. He's in this band I'm going to play for you. And it's a brand new record. And you need to sit down because you never heard anything like this before. And it was the first Butterfield album, mm. Michael Bloomfield, the album with Born in Chicago and yes. Mystery Train and Blues with a Feeling and mm -hmm. Thank You, Mr. Poobah and all that stuff. And at the time in 1965, we were all listening to guitar solos by Keith Richards and George Harrison. And yeah, yeah, they yeah. were one thing. I'm not saying that was bad, but here comes Mike Bloomfield and he's playing blues licks, but he's playing them with all this rock and roll aggression and this fire and this passion that I had not heard before. Um, and playing them really fast and playing them just right in your face. And on <laughs> yeah. the back of the album, on the back of the album, it said to fully appreciate the sound of the Butterfield Blues Band, play this record loud. It said that. <laughs> I love so, it. That's you know, so awesome. My brother, he goes, we're going to play it loud, <laughs> mm -hmm. sit down, check this shit out, man. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really... Uh, just a pivotal moment for me. I remember thinking, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. I want to do that. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do that, you know? 
<laughs> um, so that really, that was a, a major milestone of my life when he put that record on and that get, turned me on to a whole different kind of thinking about guitar playing and blues guitar playing. And, uh, you know, a, a year later, a year or two later, um, somebody came over to my house and said, you got to hear this record. It's by this guy, John Mayall, and he's got this guitar player with him. And it was the Beano album with Eric Clapton. Yeah, yeah. And there was the same fiery approach to guitar, but with, with a different sound and a little bit different approach. And um, so all, those records really set me on the path and I went to my mom at 14 and I said, I'm going to be a blues guitar player. <laughs> That's so cool. And I never have looked back, you know, I said, Amazing. I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's it. I, there's nothing else for me. And um, thank God my parents were who they were because I said, I'm going to be a blues guitar player. And you know, there's a lot of guitar players who tell this story. And my parents said, no, you got to get a real job. And you, yeah, that's just a pipe dream. No, not me. My parents said, oh, that's awesome. What a cool thing to do. Wow. You know, wow. Good luck with it, man. And and then she'd come to me and say, you know, I hear you playing in your bedroom and I, I think you can really do this, you know, keep your head on straight. But um, yeah, you, you really have an ability there on that instrument. Like they, they backed me from the beginning. They never said, you know, get a real job, you know, that's just a dream. And uh, so from the time I was 14 and I heard that Butterfield album, this has been it. Yeah. That's amazing. It sounds like, it sounds like you had some amazing parents. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. But, you know, when I was a little kid, my mom took me to see James Brown and Ray Charles. And oh, wow. The Righteous Brothers and people yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. My dad would take me to black jazz clubs in Atlantic City. Yeah. I'd say, hey, I really like this piano player, Ahmed Jamal, because I was into mm -hmm. jazz too as a kid. Yeah. And he said, well, he, he's playing over at the such and such a club in Atlantic City. Let's go. And there we'd go. We'd be in a black jazz club and, and you know, we'd walk in, they'd treat us great and they'd put us at a front table and... um They'd be trying to serve me drinks. I'd be like 12 years old and they're coming over trying to get me drinks. And my dad, get that away from my kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you, you uh, in regards to John uh, Mayall, uh, you had an opportunity to play with him. Is that correct? I played with him for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I got excited because, so I'm a huge vinyl uh record collector i i just i collect all the blues uh vinyl that i can find and i found uh an album that you played on in 1988 i think uh chicago chicago, chicago line yeah, yeah. Uh, so i bought it last night and it's coming this weekend so i'm, I'm very excited to listen to it <laughs> well you know john um He's like a father to me. I yeah. played on three of his albums and he's, he's played on, I think four of my albums. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, I, my respect and love for that guy is, is really deep and huge. And, um, 
he really changed my life and and without having had the opportunity to play in his band i i don't know where my career would be now sure you know that was a turning point yeah that's that call you know yeah that, that that sounds amazing it's fun i'm i'm very excited to to listen to some of those old albums that you play on well chicago <laughs> line i got to tell you chicago line um I have a song called Life in the Jungle, which was also the title of my first solo album. And it was written about a friend of mine who was a fan of my band who came to see me at a little bar in Huntington Beach and she was walking home. She lived two blocks away and she got murdered on her front doorstep. And I wrote the song about her when I was really upset. and we were in a hotel room and I said, John, I've written this song about this friend of mine who, who, who got killed, you know, just a couple blocks from my house. And, um, I played it for him in a hotel room one night and he said, let's record it. And it's on that album. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started thinking, man, if, if John Mayall thinks my song is good enough to record, I'm going to keep writing songs. And it kind of started me on the road to, leaving him and starting my own band sure you know? sure yeah very cool if very you're cool. hearing weird sounds there's a <laughs> like if you're hearing that there's a carpenter here <laughs> he's, fixing, he's fixing something on the outer wall of the house there's some kind of major work going on right now so you're gonna hear buzz saws it's totally cool <laughs> no problem <laughs> it's it's what 3 a.m here in utah so there's there's not much uh not much noise oh, man, except, well this is that me chatting with you coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um i i want to know uh i want to shift gears here and start talking about your latest album ordinary madness uh I've been listening to the three songs you have out now. Um, it'll be released August 28th, this Friday. This Friday. How exciting. I, I saw on, on social media, I think you did a post uh, maybe yesterday about you got a package with all the CDs and with the, the box vinyl, set. The box yeah. set, yeah. I thought that was cool. What a, how exciting. I'm sure you're excited. This is your... 39th album is that correct 29th 29th that's right 29th yeah. album that's quite impressive <laughs> well i've had a band for 31 years yeah i had two years off because i was in the hospital for eight months yep and then after i got out it took me a year to relearn how to play the guitar so other than yeah, those right. two years of my illness i've done an album a year wow. you know i've done 29 albums in 31 years Wow, that's just, it's fantastic. I love how much music you produce. It is, I always get excited when, when Survivor Blues came out last year, you know, I downloaded it and it just, it's, I just love all the content you create. It's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a type of fan that's like, I want more, I want more, I want more. <laughs> yeah, this album, this album's very different than Survivor Blues. Yes. Um, um, you're going to find, I didn't want to do, survivor blues volume two this is yeah yep all original songs and i kind of stretched out on the songwriting as a matter of fact i 
recorded half, I recorded a lot of this album and then I threw it away and started over. Really? So, uh, yeah, I didn't like what I had. So I went back and wrote more songs. Wow. What a process. Let's, let's talk about some of the songs that are out now. Um, I, I want to learn more about uh, your song, Want to Dance. Tell me about it. Um, dancing in that song, of course, is a metaphor mm -hmm. for wanting to live your life to the fullest, for celebrating being here. Um, the, the meaning of that song can be summed up. There's a movie called Jojo Rabbit. And uh, it's got a little kid in it. And one of the scenes, his mother is dancing. She's up on this fence and she's just dancing. And he goes, what are you doing? She goes, I'm dancing by myself. And he goes, why? She goes, dancing is the way you show God that you are celebrating life. And um, so, you know, that the song could be summed up in those lines. We ain't going to live forever. So tonight I want to dance with you baby. Um, you know, um, it is, it is kind of a rock and tune, you know, mm -hmm. I, I had kind of, I've been accused of this by a lot of people. I had, you've been listening to Neil Young when you wrote that. And, um, I don't know if I'd been listening to him, but I do love his music. And, uh, I'm a big fan of the, the rock stuff he did with crazy horse. Yeah. And um, with the, the way the two guitarists play off each other in that band, I think is awesome. Yes. And uh, so it's it's definitely a rock and tune. Um, you know, I when I when I recorded it, I brought home the rough mix from the studio that day and I played it for my boys, two of my boys. And I said, uh, I, I was kind of thinking this might sound like Neil Young. And my kids said to me, my 18-year-old, sounds more like Neil Van Halen. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, there you go, you know. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> How awesome. Well, I love the song. I've been jamming to it ever since it came out. Uh, tell us about all out of tears all out of tears is um pretty emotional number it, the way that transpired i was in memphis in january with my wife um a thing called the international blues challenge it's where these bands come from all over the world and they compete and my wife was actually there. She was the moderator at a panel called Women in Blues. And she interviewed a bunch of, of lady blues musicians in a, in, a, in a big hall, you know. And um, we were walking down Beale Street after it, and we saw the wonderful, great blues singer, Teeny Tucker, who's a friend. I said, hey, you know, Teeny, how you doing? And she said, well... I'm okay, but my my son uh, recently passed away. And we were like, oh, we're sorry to hear that. And, and she said to us, my heart is crying, but my eyes are dry because I'm all out of tears. 
and I said, did you, is that from a blues song or did you just make that up? Or she said, no, I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm all out of tears. My heart's crying, but my eyes are dry. I got no more tears. And, and we talked for a while and I said, Tina, I, I got to ask you, what do you think if, if we make that into a song, a little bit of a song about losing someone you love and a little tribute to your boy, you know? And she was like, yeah. So, um, she and myself and my wife, we, we sent lyrics back and forth and we kind of came up with a set of lyrics and then I put it to music. And uh, I got to say the album was finished. It was done. And thank God for my wife. She said, Walter, you got to go back in the studio. You got to record that song. And I said, but the album's finished. It's done, you know? Yeah. And she said, I don't care. You got to do that song and put it on there. So I, I, we booked the studio again for the day. I called the band. I said, uh, you guys got to come on in. And we recorded that song in about three hours. And, um, you know, thank God my wife pushed me because I was just like, hey, I'm done. The thing's being mixed. I'm going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so she pushed it. I'm, I'm really glad she did because um, I, I really think it came out beautifully. And it's on the album, on the in the in the notes. In the booklet, we let Teeny write a little piece about her son, and we dedicate the song to him. And um, so it, it's really, it started off to be very graphic about losing a child. And, and I kind of decided, along with my wife, how about if we make it a little more universal, mm -hmm. losing someone you love dearly? Yeah, yeah. We could... It, anybody will be able to relate to that. It could be your best friend. It could be your kid. It could be your parent. It could be, yeah. do you know what I mean? Oh what, yeah. What is it like when you're, you've gone, you're going through some deep grief. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's what it became. And um, you know, Teeny is, is a beautiful, beautiful soul, you know? Yeah. yeah. You absolutely did a, a beautiful job and I'm glad you recorded it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thanks to thanks to my wife slash manager. <laughs> yeah, she really pushed. I was like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah. I worked worked really hard on this. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I need I'm... a break. She goes, "No, you ain't getting a break. Get back <laughs> in there." You know. No, it's it's awesome. It's it's uh, it's definitely a a good one to listen to. Just there's a lot of emotion. There's an, a lot of emotion in it, and I I can feel it when I listen to it. So thanks. Yeah. For now when it. I when I listen to it, I think um, we've we've really done something there with that song. I, I think that's a song that maybe in the future is going to be covered by some people because the theme is universal. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, I I agree absolutely. Oh, uh, your your song Heartland. Tell us about that one. <laughs> that's an interesting story um i had in the middle of making this record we are almost finished with the record again and i had a dream i was asleep and i had a dream 
that my wife and I were sitting on the couch and we were watching a TV show and the TV show was called Heartland. And in the dream, the show finished, the theme song came on. And in the middle of the theme song, I woke up and I was half asleep and I thought, I really don't like that show, but I really like that theme song. And then I kind of woke up more and I went, wait a minute, that, that isn't a show. And, and that was a dream. And next to the bed, I have a guitar and a little recorder. And, and I recorded the, the first verse of that song is exactly as it was in the dream. <clears throat> I had to write the rest of it. Wow. But I real quick, you know, alone at the break of dawn and I, and I, I recorded it. And I went back to sleep and I got up the next day and I was like, I can do something with this. And um, I kind of wrote some more lyrics and wrote a bridge and um, went in and uh, we, we recorded one song that day. And, and then Teddy, my keyboard player, had to leave because he had to go record with some of the guys from the Cars. He was doing an album with Elliot Easton and some other guys. And, mm -hmm. um, and I said to Eric, my producer, I, I, I got this, this tune that came in a dream and I played it and he went, man, I love that song, you know? And in the studio happened to be hanging out a guy named Drake Monkey Hade Shining who plays with Sugar Ray Rayford. Okay, yeah. And he's a good friend of ours and he's my drummer's roommate and he was there hanging out. And I'm like, well, we can't record this. Teddy's gone. And Drake said, hey, I'll play. So we went out and did, did Heartland, you know, did the, did the instrumental part on it and um, took a couple hours. And, man, I, I like the way it came out. <laughs> I do, <You> too. <laughs> it's fantastic. And, and uh, that's uh, your first music video. Is that correct? That's my first real official music video. Yeah. yeah and, cool. and it kind of, you know, when I had that first verse that was in the dream, it was kind of a no brainer to write it. A young girl sits on a fence. She can't help crying in the heartland. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what's she crying about? She wants to do more with her life. She wants to go chase her dream. And once I, came up with that theme, the words kind of wrote themselves, you know, and it is, it's kind of like a short story, you know? Yeah. In the end, she, she's, she's leaving. She's mm -hmm. going to go into the great unknown. And, uh, you know, I, I packed my car in New Jersey in 1974 and drove to California to seek a career. Um, my wife, knew me for a week and came to California with me <laughs> to, to see what would happen. My producer, Eric Korn, lived up in the, the wilds of Canada, and he wanted a musical career, so he drove and moved to L.A. It's Jimi Hendrix going to England to have a career. It's, it's anybody, really, that to chase your dream, to, to try and do something with yourself that that is you feel maybe is your calling or but and you have to take that step 
and you have to summon the courage to sort of step out into the unknown, having no idea what's going to happen. And uh, that's what this song is about. Very cool. That's so cool. I love it. Also, uh, I got to say, I had one guy say, well, you know, a lot of people that live out in farms, that they're happy to be there. I'm, well, but Heartland, it could be Los Angeles. It could be somewhere that you grow up. It, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean you're out in a wheat field. Yeah. It, it's the land of your heart where your family is mm -hmm. and your friends are. My wife is from Denmark, where I am right now, but she moved uh -huh. to L.A., she left her family. She left her friends. Yeah. She left everything she knew, her culture, um, to come to a new place just to try to have a life with me. Um, so, and she was from a beautiful city here in, in, in Denmark, right? Mm -hmm. And so Heartland doesn't necessarily translate to being out on a farm or something yeah it's maybe where your heart is mm -hmm. your, your your friends your family where you're from what you know everything you know you've got to leave it behind yeah beautiful ah i love it i love it so awesome i i cannot wait until your album is released this friday i'm gonna to listen to the whole thing i'm just gonna go nuts <laughs> Tell me what um, the title of your album, Ordinary Madness, it, it sounds um, kind of like this year, just kind of, it's been a mad year this year. It does. Tell um, me, where'd you get the inspiration? Well, it, it seems very fitting for what we're going through right now, but it was actually finished before all this started. Yeah. It was finished by the end of January. And it was mixed in February, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, I started feeling some, I went through a phase of, um, especially, let me go back, especially since I came through my illness and yeah. came back to make records and have a career and tour. I've gotten a lot of messages from people and God bless them. They say, Hey, you inspire me. And, and, you know, and, and God bless them. I love those messages. But a lot of times I, I think I read it and I go, man, I'm glad I can, it can mean something to people, this music and what I'm doing and the fact that I'm here. But, the fact that I survived this illness and faced death doesn't mean that suddenly I'm free of little demons that have possessed my me for my entire life. Things that happened to me in my youth, things that I've been through therapy trying to get over. Um, the lyrics of Ordinary Madness um, it's ordinary madness. It's the everyday kind. It's nothing special. It's just there in your mind. It's the sadness and the fear and the anger and the self-doubt that you feel every day. It lays there in your gut. It won't go away. It's ordinary madness, and it's here inside of me. Everybody has their self-doubts. Everybody has their, their fears and their angers and the things that maybe get in the way of fully enjoying your time here on earth and things that we all have to deal with. And um, 
you're going to find there's there's a lot of songs on this record about self-doubts and about I wrote a lot about my limitations and my flaws and how a lot of times I look in the mirror and go, I still need to do a lot of work on myself here. Um, and, you know, um, when I'm on tour a lot and I'm sitting in the van and say I've got a six hour drive and I'm looking out the window and cities and towns and um, farms and forests and beaches and everything is going by outside the window and I'm sitting in there and I can get pretty self-reflective and kind of caught up in going a little bit nuts and so sometimes I'll take a notebook and I write notes about what I'm thinking it's kind of like talking to a therapist or a shrink but I, yeah. I just write it down and for instance, I opened up the notebook when I was writing this record and I found notes about myself. One page, it said, sometimes I do my best, but I fail. And I know it happens to everybody. I try to hide away my shame, but I get all wrapped up in myself. And I know it doesn't matter much in the bigger scheme of things. I'm just filled up with my own stupid, foolish pride. And um, I took that note and I turned it into a song. It's the mm. third song on the album called My Foolish Pride. Yeah. And the first verse is, is directly from those notes. You'll notice the first verse does not rhyme because I didn't write it to be a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just took, the, I took those notes and I put them to music. I had to write the rest of the song. But with that theme, the song kind of wrote itself lyrically. You yeah. Know? Very cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. So excited. <laughs> um, over this weekend, I was listening to your music and I put it on shuffle. Uh, and I came across one of your songs off of uh, Battle Scars. And it really, it really, uh, it just really connected with me. For some reason, I've I, I've heard it in the past, but for some reason, I was I was driving up the canyon uh, this last weekend, and it, it popped on, and uh, your song "Gonna Live Again" off of Battle Scars. Uh, years ago, I I suffered from an illness. I I I got sick with spinal meningitis which was just brutal yeah. and i i came close to it was a near-death experience for me um and i i just really connected with that song because i i knew about your past what what you went through just a few years ago and um you know i've pondered with with my experiences with meningitis, you know, why I've, why I survived. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned a, a line in the beginning, uh, somewhat to that. And, uh, I'm curious because I know what it feels like to, to, you know, be close to death and 
when you uh, come back from it, and I guess, and, and start recovering, you really start to appreciate life and people. And it, with my experience, I've, I, I'm more grateful every day for the opportunity to be alive, right? I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, my question to you is how have you lived your life to the fullest after your, your near death experience? Well, you know, wow. I'm, I'm glad that, that you made it through that. And I completely understand what you're saying about it totally rearranges your priorities and your view of being here. And I completely understand the grateful thing. Um, I get up every morning and the first thing I do now when I wake up is I say to myself, what am I grateful for today? And I try to live my life in, in gratitude, you know, I, and it, it makes life so much better, you know, and to fo focus on the beautiful things in your life and, and the, the great people in your life and um, just the joy that the line in Want to Dance where I say, I want to love completely the beauty that I see. There is beauty out there. Sometimes you got to look for it and you have to dig through the sort of darkness and ugliness that we're sort of surrounded with these days and you can find the beauty. But living life to the fullest for me has meant going at my art in a, a way I never have before with a newfound commitment and a newfound appreciation that I can do it. Um, when I got out of the hospital, you know, I had brain damage and when I got home, I couldn't play the guitar anymore. I had to, yeah. re, I had to relearn it. And I've, I've done, you know, and then last July, um, over a year ago, I, I broke my little finger and I've now broken it three times in three different places. Mm. And it's, I, I can't use it. So I, for the rest of my life and on this album, everything is with three fingers and I've uh -huh. had to completely change my guitar tech. Yeah. Now I sit around and go, why me? Yeah. No, you, you, I'm going to give it my best shot till I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Living life to the fullest is also, um, really examining your priorities and what's important. What is it, what really matters in this life when, when, when you're laying there and it, you think it's going to end and you look back and you, what, what's really important here? You know, I, I used to be so caught up in, um, why does this guy sell more records than me? What do I got to do? Why'd that guy get that gig? And I didn't get that. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and I was sort of obsessed with, I got to climb the ladder. I got to get it. 
And now I got to be honest. I'm so grateful to have a career and be able to make music, but I don't give a shit if I, I, I don't become the next big thing. I'm going to be 70 years old for God. <laughs> I'm glad to be here and still playing. I've had a 50 year career. I, you know, I'm grateful, man. And, um, living life to the fullest is, is to me, it's not, it's not for some people that would be, well, I want to retire from my job and I'm going to go out and travel yeah. the world. That's what I've always wanted to do. But I travel for a living. I, I've <laughs> seen the world yeah. 50, 60 times. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, so th that's really it is to me is, um, trying to live in gratitude and thankfulness and trying to appreciate the good things and trying to love the people I love with, with all my heart and soul, my wife and my kids, the guys in my band, you know, uh, I'm going to lose it here, but that's what living to the fullest means for me anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Walter, I just really enjoyed our conversation today. This has been fantastic. Well, thanks, man. So Sometimes fantastic. When you, when you actually have had a chance to sit back with this album, we'll do it again and talk about the album. Oh. There's some stuff on there. I'm really stretching on this record. You know, there's songs sure. on there that sound like Tom Petty. There's songs on there that sound like Pink Floyd. Awesome. <laughs> Some of the shit is way out there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, <laughs> I had a dream again. I walked out one morning and said to my wife, I had a dream. I was playing a song called Up Above My Sky. And she kind of glassed over and she walked out of the room, came back a half hour later and said, here's the lyrics. I went, what? She goes, yeah, here's a whole song up above my sky. And I said, well, what is this? And she goes, think about it at night in the darkness, you know, the, the metaphor of the darkness and the light, the dark side, yeah. she goes, in the darkness, you can see to the end of the universe. You can see through the stars. You can, in the daytime, in the light, you can't see past the blue sky. So you actually need to see farther. You can see through the darkness and you get to the light, but there is, there is knowledge and truth that can be gained by looking through the darkness. Now, I don't, somebody's either knocking or a guy's hammering on the wall. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. But... Oh, okay. I see him. It's a carpenter. Anyway, so, uh, you know, um, that's the one I put it to some really pretty strange music, her lyrics. <laughs> and, uh, so check it out, you know, yeah, I, again, I really enjoyed this justice. Oh yeah. We're, we're, we'll have, uh, once it comes out, I'll take a listen to the whole thing. We'll, and we'll come back and talk about, um, you know, the rest of the songs I've, I would love that. I, I love talking about songs. Three-fingered guitar solos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Walter, I appreciate every moment you spent with me today. This was wonderful. Thank you. Well, great, man. Thank you. I'd like yeah. to...
Stay safe. Stay healthy. Oh, I will. I will stay, stay healthy and safe. I, I'd like to tell our listeners uh, when they listen to this to have a wonderful evening and rock on. Thanks for listening to the Guitar Freaks podcast. Check out www.fretdeck.com to help you learn the guitar.